Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. It's the first Sunday of the year. I, I like to say however you start something is typically how you finish something. So you started well. We're here at church today. Uh, I love New Year's because I get to hear all these wild uh, resolutions. I love hearing resolutions. Um, people have really great resolutions. I like creative resolutions. Um, I heard one person say in 2024 they, go, they were going to accomplish all of the DIY projects that they let go of in 2019. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Maybe that's for you. Um, I'm I'm going to try to learn to how to fold a fitted sheet. Uh, I, think, I think it's really difficult. I just throw it up in a ball and just deal with it later. Um, I, maybe you want to learn a new language this year. I'm actually in a course right now learning new language, learning Spanish, uh, because yo quiero predicar un sermon en español para las familias that habla español solo. So I really want to be able to speak a sermon in Spanish. Uh, for people that only speak Spanish. Um, whatever your resolution is, resolution really is this desire to choose to do something or to not do something. And resolutions have to do with mental health, uh, have to do with like physical fitness or faith. Um, like speaking of fitness, maybe you want to exercise. You're right to eat chocolate whenever you want this year. And I'm all with you. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, for me, I really don't do resolutions. I, I spend time in prayer, uh, not because I'm super holy, but because resolutions always failed. Um, so I spend time in prayer, and I ask God for a word for the year. And um, I, I love doing that every single year. Last year, my word was run. Um, and this year, like running towards God, running after God, no matter what, um, I actually physically ran as well. And this year, I was praying, and I got the word, and I was a little frustrated because it's not an action word. And I was like, God, come on. I like action words. I like taking action. And he's, I felt this word and I was wrestling with it. And it's my word for 2024 and I want to share it with you. The word is more. And when I, when I heard the word more and I felt God you know, saying the word more, I was like, that sounds like a request. And God was like, no, but it's an offering. And I said, well, Lord, this word more, I, I was frustrated, and so I started praying even more with him. And, and God's okay with your frustration, by the way. You can be frustrated and talk with him. So I was. I was like, God, I, I like action words. I like verbs. You know, it could have given me something awesome like, like power through 2024 or ignite 2020. You know, something awesome and churchy, but no, he gave me more. And then he said, Marcus, this year will take more than you thought you had, and you'll experience more than you could ever dream of for 2024. So more in 2024 is what I feel my word is. And I wonder for you, what if this year in 2024, God has more for you? What if there is more than you could have ever dreamed of available in 2024, but it starts with us having the right focus, the right resolve, the right resolution to say, here's what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. God, I want more of you. And so Lord, I give you all of me. So in my prayer time, God said, it'll take more than you thought you had and you'll receive more and experience more than you could ever dreamed of. I said, God, if I have ever prayed, God, you have all of me. And there's been a tiny piece of me that I've kept. God, I want to give you all of me this year. So my prayer is that we would have more of God this year, that we would experience more of God by offering more of ourselves. But it starts with that firm decision to do something and to not do something. And we're kicking off our series, The Gospel of John, today. And John had this great resolution. It wasn't just for the new year. It's how he lived his life. In fact, this is why he wrote this gospel. And he writes his thesis at the end of the Gospel of John, which is not academic writing at all. He puts it at the end. John 20, he says this. He said, everything could have been written. I had so many other stories, but what is written here is so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. 
John says the entire purpose of his life, the entire purpose of this gospel that we're going to be reading through for a good part of the year, he says the theme and the purpose of everything is believing and having life. And so I was reading this verse and I was thinking of the word that I felt God give me for the year 2024, more. What if more people, more families, more neighbors, more neighborhoods, more communities, more people living in the world today could know Jesus believe in Jesus, and have life in his name? And what if some of those more people are here today? And what if we get to be the people that go and bring Jesus to other people? And so that more people can have life in Jesus Christ. And maybe you walked in today thinking of, yeah, you know, I could use some more today. Maybe it's more time. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's more space. Maybe it's more a bigger house, a bigger court, whatever it may be. What if the more that you truly are, are desiring is knowing and believing in Jesus and having life in his name. So I want to pray for us before we go any further because if this is where John is telling us this is where we need to start, we're going to answer a very difficult question. Who's Jesus? And maybe you have ideas of who Jesus is. And maybe you have ideas of what Jesus should look like. Maybe you grew up thinking, yeah, maybe he's this prophet, says things about God. And maybe he was just a good guy. Maybe he was just a good role model. Maybe he was just a historical figure. Maybe he was made up. What if the answer to who is Jesus is something that God wants us to really dive into in 2024? Because if we get this, life begins to make sense. So I want to pray for us that we would truly get to know who Jesus is today. Let's pray. God, we come before you. Lord, we want to know you. We want to experience you. So Lord, today we open our hearts we're ready for more of you. Whatever it may look like, whatever it may be, God, we offer ourselves and we're ready to experience you. In your name we pray. Amen. So who is Jesus? Now, whenever you meet someone, you typically ask them, uh, what is their name? You, you ask, where are they from? Um, what they do for a living? And then you start to figure out, do I like this person or do I not like this person? But where are we going to begin? If we're asking the question, who is Jesus, where do we begin? Well, we begin in the same gospel, the same book that everyone who says yes to Jesus as a church. We say, if you're going to start anywhere, start in this book. Start in the gospel of John. Uh, some, many people have said, if you want to get closer to Jesus, get closer to the gospel of John because you'll find him there. So who is Jesus? Well, if you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of John. Chapter 1 is where we're going to be. John is in the New Testament. So if you open your Bible halfway, you'll get to like Psalms or Proverbs, maybe Isaiah. Keep going over to the right. You'll see some of the other older prophets, um, the post-exilic prophets. You'll see like Hosea. You'll eventually see Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Keep turning. You get to Matthew, which is one of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Matthew is written to a Jewish audience. And it's all about the kingship of Jesus. And so you read Matthew, Matthew is all about what Jesus said. And then you get to Luke, which is uh, written to a Roman audience. And, and the author of Luke, uh, Mark is he's saying, hey, I understand you know these all big powerful people. But in Mark, the author is saying, I want you to know this, this servant. This servant that you find in Jesus. So that's what you see in Matthew and then in Mark and then in Luke. You know, Luke is writing to a, a Greek audience, and the Greeks at the time are really big thinkers. And Luke says, I want you to see what Jesus felt. Not like Matthew, what he, just what he said, and not like Mark, just, just what he did. I want you to see what Jesus felt. And then John, the gospel will be in, he says, I want you to see who Jesus is. Like, I want you to know 
one thing about him and one thing about him for sure. And John doesn't start like Matthew did, going back to David. John doesn't start like Luke did, um, you know, going, or Mark did, going back to Adam. And doesn't start like Luke and starting with the birth. He goes back even further. In John chapter 1, John written by one of the best friends of Jesus, the closest friends of Jesus, who doesn't even out himself as the author of the book of John. He doesn't even say his name When he talks about himself, John the author, he will say things like, the one whom Jesus loved. Now you hear that at first and you're like, he was really prideful. No, or he had a recognition that God is so great and powerful that he would send his son Jesus to love someone as messy as me. That's who's writing this gospel. He does get a little prideful a little later when he says two of the disciples raced to the tomb in John 1. I mean, you know, like, come on. One of them won and it wasn't Peter, right? Like, okay, come on now, but... John, he loves Jesus and Jesus loves him. So we're going to start. In the beginning, verse 1, was the Word, and the Word is with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things are created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created. Now, just think right now for all the things that have been created, all the things that you see, the trees, the sun, the moon. I think of stars. I love stars. Um, Just in our galaxy, there's 100 billion stars. Um, With all the galaxies that we've been able to see, um, with people that are much smarter than me going out into space, terrifying, um, there's over 100 million galaxies. If you were to add just the space that we've been able to see and even somewhat be able to understand with all of the galaxies and all the stars, there's 10 octillion stars just in the galaxies that we've seen. Octillion is a 10 with 27 zeros behind it. And John is saying, those stars... Yeah, Jesus was there creating those. Like, don't you think every time you see a tree, Pastor Brooks talked about those koyas, God created those. Like, everything that you see had a creator. In verse four, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not John the author of this gospel. This is not John the apostle. This is John the baptizer. John the Baptist, J the B, whatever you want to call him. This is J the B. Uh, John the baptizer, he is the cousin of Jesus. He is the one who would essentially baptize Jesus later on. Um, he is the one who was in his mother's womb, his mother's womb, uh, Elizabeth's womb, when Mary walked in and Jesus was in her womb. And then he leaped for joy and was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was all wild. That is who we're talking about, J the B. There was a man sent from God whose name was J the B. Verse 7. He came as a witness to testify about that light. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. He was not the light, but came to testify about the light. That's our job. We testify about the light. And we share it with the rest of the world. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Think about maybe even your own life. I think about mine. I think of growing up and having this anger and just a deep dislike, and even at times, if I'm honest, a hatred towards God. And, and I didn't recognize the fact that the creator was putting his hand out amongst creation for me to experience love and kindness and joy and peace and grace. 
I didn't even recognize God's hand at work in my life. And John is telling us, you're not alone in that. The entire world didn't even recognize who Jesus was. They didn't even receive him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Look at verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15. This is John the Baptist, J the B speaking. John testified concerning him and said, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son who is himself God and is at the Father's side has revealed him. John is saying, if you want to see God, look to Jesus. Because Jesus is just shining a giant light that says, look at my daddy. And so if we're wondering who Jesus is, if we're going to look at God's word to answer this question that all of us ask, one of the most Google questions of all time is what is the Bible and who is Jesus? The answer we find in God's word, we find in John, that Jesus is God in the flesh dwelling with humanity, the creator amongst the creation. It is someone who, who had the idea of something and then is part of something. It's as if I, I, maybe I put a play together and everyone's up here and I'm the director of the play. And then I get up and I say, no, you got to do it like this. And it's the director on the stage. It's divinity with humanity. It is God in the midst of everything that we are experiencing right now. The one who made us is present with us because he wants to redeem us. So John says, in the beginning. Now, when we read in the beginning, the original readers would have immediately thought of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. So you should start thinking that kind of language. John 1 and Genesis 1 are literally a, a bit of a parallel. John is saying, yeah, I'm talking about that beginning. And notice John doesn't say around the beginning, at the beginning, from the beginning. He's saying in the beginning. Before there even was a beginning. Outside of time, space, and matter, God existed. And what did it look like? Well, God was present and so was the Word. And we read the Word and we're like, oh, the Word, that's cool. The Word is Jesus. We sang the song. You were the Word at the beginning. What does it mean? Uh, that word is a beautiful Greek word, um, logos. Would you say it with me? Logos. Beautiful. Just theologians in this room, I'm so amazed. Um, logos, uh, you have to be thinking uh, first exactly what that word means. That word can mean speech. It can, be, it can mean word. Um, it can also mean principle. But to go even further into what this word means, we have to put the mind of a Greek philosopher on. Because Greek philosophers at the time, they would look around at all of the earth, and they'd say, everything that you see was pre-existed by a thought. And so the Hebrew people, the Jewish people at the time, they were like, yeah, Greek philosophers, you're right. There must have been a thought. They said, yeah, you, you see this book? First it was a thought, and now the thought has appeared. And the Hebrews were like, you're right. But there had to be a thinker. And the Greek people were like, no, 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 no. There wasn't a thinker. There was just a thought. 
And Jewish people said, no, there was a thinker, and the thinker is God. And so John is saying to all of the Hebrew people who understand the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament, when I say the word, we're talking about the ultimate thinker. And to all the Greeks that are writing, because John is writing his gospel to the entire world. It wasn't just the Romans. It wasn't just the Greeks. It, it wasn't just the Jewish people. It was everyone. He says, when you read this, the person, the being, the God that had the ultimate thought and the, is the ultimate thinker to provide everything you see in existence is the word. The word is with God and the word was God. So if we put the Greek philosophy and the Jewish understanding together, the word logos is the divine appearance, the divine reason, and the divine action of God. So John is saying, in the beginning, the divine action, appearance, and reason is the reason for everything that you see. So John doesn't want us to think that Jesus is just the word. No, he's the word. He's everything. And every word and work that you would see in this gospel, in the gospel of John, John is letting you know is the word and the work of God at the same time. This is the word that we get to experience. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the most on high. This is what we get to experience. This is what we get to worship. This is why we sing. Because in the beginning, Jesus was there. He, he wasn't waiting to be created by God somewhere. He was already there. Jesus is God. Dwelling with humanity. And that's what John would say in verse 14. He would say, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word just didn't stay as some thinker up in the big sky somewhere. This word became flesh with skin on and dwelt with us. That word literally means tabernacled with us. And if you're familiar with the word tabernacle, you should be thinking of the Old Testament. Um, the tabernacle was a place where God literally dwelt. As the Israelites were going through the wilderness, they would bring the tabernacle around with them. And they would put the post down. And that's where God would reside. And all of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of Israelites would surround them, all in their tribes. And the tabernacle would be in the middle. And on the north, south, east, and west would be tribes. There's 12 tribes total, and they would break up into three groups under one banner. And this is the part that blows my mind, because God knew what he was doing at all times. On one side would be three tribes under the banner of the lion. One side would be three tribes under the banner of the ox. On one side would be three tribes under the banner of the man. And on one side would be three tribes under the banner of the eagle. Matthew, the divinity, lion. Mark, the servanthood of Jesus, the ox. Luke, the manhood of Jesus, the man. And then you have the eagle, John, the divinity of Jesus, the eagle, all surrounding the tabernacle. So for them, they would have to walk to the place where the presence of God was to get into the tabernacle. And John is saying, that's not how it is anymore. Jesus now has tabernacled with us. He is present with us. You want the presence of God? He's with you. In fact, he goes even further. He is literally in you. His spirit is in you. The spirit is powerful and present right now so you can experience the lovely, beautiful, magnificent tabernacle that is the presence of God. The word became flesh and dwells with us. And it gets even wilder because not only is it in the beginning, before time, space, and matter, which makes me scratch my brain, 
And he goes on, he says he dwells with us. Jesus is God 100% and man 100%. So he's a 200% being? Yep, that doesn't make sense. Exactly. I heard one person say, if God is small enough to be understood, he's not big enough to be worshipped. He's 100% man, meaning that Jesus wept. The shortest verse in all of scripture found in the Gospel of John. But he's 100% God, meaning that when you weep, he hears you and he heals you. He's 100% man, meaning that Jesus slept, which we find in the Gospel of John, that Jesus needed to sleep. But he's 100% God that when you sleep and breathe your last, as Jesus would call sleep, he can wake you up again and resurrect you from the dead. He's fully man that he needed to eat. He would get hungry. So if you want to be like Jesus, eat more food, right? And then you get to, he's 100% God. So that when you are hungry and are thirsty, he can provide something that you'll never thirst again and you'll never hunger again because what he provides always satisfies. He's 100% God and 100% man who hears you, who wants to heal you, who wants to provide for you, who wants to feed you, who wants to clothe you, who wants to give you peace, to give you rest, to give you hope. This is the God that we serve. Not a God who is just super far and away and some thinker sitting up there somewhere and hopefully maybe he'll come down every once in a while. I love how William Barclay, he's a great theologian, wrote many commentaries, many books. He says it this way about our faith, Christianity. He says, Christianity does not look on the world as one which God very occasionally invades. It looks on it as a world in which he is never absent. I'm so thankful we serve a God who is never absent. And think about Jesus putting on the flesh and dwelling with us, tabernacling with us. That means the things he faced and the things I face, they're similar things we faced, both of us. Jesus faced hunger. You probably have, I have. He faced poverty. He faced seeing sickness. He faced loss. He faced temptation. He faced anger. He faced fear. Like, think about all the things that Jesus would have experienced. Jesus knows. All the things that you're experiencing right now, he's walked with it. There is no experience that we will experience here on earth that Jesus does not have some personal experience with. Temptation? I mean, we've all been tempted before. But you ever have the devil in your face? Just like, hey, I'm going to tempt you a little bit. That's Jesus. You experience loss. Maybe you're in a season of loss right now and you just are even having trouble even thinking about what life looks like without this person. And Jesus says, I know exactly what loss feels like. Maybe you're like, you know, I've, I've had people that have said they loved me one day and then talked behind my back the next day. And Jesus says, my closest friends were with me for years. One of them betrayed me and sold me to be killed, and another one denied me when they were asked. There's nothing that you've experienced that God hasn't also experienced. And the best part is he endured it and overcame. Like the song we sang, I'm fighting a battle, he's already won. And so if I know that, I walk in a little different. I'm going, it's a tough week, it's a tough week. I'd just be man, it's a tough week, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a tough week, don't know what I'm going to do, but I know what God's going to do, he's going to overcome it. I don't know how, he's just going to. Because that's the God that we serve. He is not absent, he's fully present with us. 
And in the midst of everything that we face, John calls it one word. This everything, every pain, every suffering, uh, every, sac- every like sacrificial thing that you didn't ask for, the things that are coming to you that you wish didn't even happen. John calls it darkness. And in the midst of the darkness, Jesus is the light. And this is what John wants us to understand. This is what we should be experiencing. Uh, the fact that in the midst of my darkness, God is shining a light. The same light that when God was creating the heavens and the earth, he said, let there be light. Light challenged the darkness that day, and the light has been challenging the darkness ever since. That same light is available for us in the midst of our darkness. I'll never forget the story that I heard uh, Billy Graham share about this young boy in Scotland who was fascinated by all of the street lights. And he'd walk down the streets with his family, and he'd look up all the street lights. One morning, the family went out there walking around dusk time, and, and the little boy saw this man climbing up the light. Because it was at a time when the lights didn't turn on automatically like they do here. It was back in the day when someone actually had to go light the lantern with the oil and the match. And the little boy is watching, and he's just fascinated. The person climbs up the lamp and goes down, goes to the next one, climbs up, lights it, and goes down. The little boy grabs his dad's hand and says, Dad, look. Dad says, what? He goes, that man's punching holes in the darkness. That's what God does in the midst of our darkness. Just punching holes. God, there's no way that you could come through. Boop. God, if there could just be a little bit of He's punching holes in the darkness. When I feel like there's no way that, that I, there's no way that God could do something, he says, that's when miracles happen. That's what I do. And John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. That light is here. It's the enemy's goal to blur you from being able to see this light. When you're in the midst of your darkness, we isolate, we get away, like Pastor Brooke talks about. We, we like to get away, and then we forget about our groups. You forget about our community. It's just ourselves. And the enemy says, that's where I want you to be. And when I'm isolated, I have trouble even seeing what God is doing. And my prayer, I forgot my word, more for the year. Lord, I just want to see more of your light. I just want to see more of your light. And watch what happens as you start looking for it. Because the light is there. And although you may not be able to see it, it doesn't mean that the light isn't working. Have you ever gone to work and then you come back home and you left the light on? Oh, it's the worst because you want to yell at yourself. Just because you weren't there doesn't mean the light wasn't working. But the moment you walked into the house and received the benefit of the light you realize the light was on. Some of us need to realize that God's light has been shining and I just need to be positioned to be able to experience the benefit of his light. There's a song, every time I get to this passage, there's a song that came out in 1995 that I I can't help but think of. And I want to read the lyrics to you because I I heard this years later um, because I was not about Jesus stuff when I was younger, unfortunately. And then I met Jesus and I was all in. I was like, there's like people that sing about Jesus? Oh, yeah. And the lyrics say this. I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I'm the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. Let me tell you, reading that as an adult now, man, these people knew how to write. What's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. 
This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a savior. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Oh, Lord, be my light and be my salvation. Because all I want is to be in the light. DC Talk. And they would go, all I want is to be in the light. Yeah, that was my jam. (laughs) That's my jam for this year. God, I just want to be in the light. All I want to be is in the light. Out of everything else that I could experience, one thing I want more of is your light in my life this year. Maybe more light in your family, more light in your kids, more, more light in your neighborhood, more light in your community, more light in the schools, more light in your workplace. All I want, to be, all I want is to be in the light. That's it. And, and it's, it gets even better because as you go through this verse, it says, and yet the darkness cannot even overcome it. The light is shining, but the darkness can't overcome it. This is an amazing Greek word, one of my favorite Greek words, and I truly mean it, catalambano. It sounds like something I would say if I did karate, which I don't, obviously, because uh, that's not a karate move. But uh, yeah, uh, catalambano, that's what I was, catalambano, I got you. Uh, catalambano, it, it doesn't mean just overcome. It means to overtake. It means grasp. It means comprehend and understand. So John is saying this light happens And the darkness is truly confused by it. It is befuddled, one might say. It doesn't understand how powerful this light is because the darkness says this can't be happening. It's darkness, and yet there's still a light. My wife and I have a cat at the house, and I like to mess with cats because they're not in the Bible. So I just have fun. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kind of kidding. Uh, But we have a laser pointer for the cat, and... What I like to do is mess around with the cat with a laser pointer, and it tries to grab the light, but it can't. And it will like jump and run over couches and everything and, and just can't catch the light. And preparing for the message this week, I was like, I wonder if that's what the enemy feels like. When in the midst of the darkness, the light is shining, the enemy's like, turn that light off. Would you just, I can't, I can't even grab where that light is coming from. Would you just turn the light off? Oh, nothing will stop this light from shining. Ever. This light is always shining. We just have to be looking for it. The same light, as I said, when God created the earth. Let there be light. The same light that led the people of Israel. uh, Cloud by fire at night. The same light in Psalm 19 when David is praying. And he says, I look up to the moon and the stars and the heavens proclaim the glory of God. And the heavens and the earth declare the mighty works of his hands. The same light that the same author, John, he would also author the book of Revelation. The same light that he says he saw a new Jerusalem and the sun and the moon were not needed because the glory of the Lord was its light. That same exact light exists today so that we can experience it. And nothing will ever stop it from shining. But are we ready to experience that light? The light that gives light to the world in the midst of their darkness The light that will never be stopped. That's the light that he has for you. And if you keep reading with me and John, you get to see what happens when we get closer and closer to this light. John 35, I'll catch us, John 135, I'll catch us up to what happened. Um, John the baptizer, John the Baptist, J the B is walking around and people are like, are you the guy? And he's like, I'm not the guy. You're the guy though. I'm not the guy. There's someone who is coming who's greater than me. I can't even touch his shoes. It's wild. I'm telling you. 
I baptize with water. This other one baptizes with Holy Spirit and fire. I can't do that. If I baptize you with fire, it's not going to be good, right? That's not me. They're like, you must be the guy. I'm not the guy. Are you a prophet? I'm not the guy. There's a guy coming. And then one day he sees him and he goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's where we jump in, verse 35. The next day. So this is after he saw Jesus. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. His disciples. These disciples have been walking with John, J the B, John the Baptist, John the Baptist. They've been walking with him for years. And the whole time he has been saying, there's someone coming. Verse 36. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. I, I, like, it breaks me every time I read that because we miss it if we just look at it just at face value. See, for, for John the Baptist, he's talking to a group of people who understood um, what sacrifice looked like. And when you did something wrong, um, a sin, transgression, or iniquity, um, we've talked about these words and we want to make sure we all are on the same page. Sin is doing something wrong, missing the mark, literally what it means, like a marksman were to miss a mark. That's what it means. So when you miss the mark of God's plan, perfect plan for your life, um, they were, they were told to bring a sacrifice. So let's say I wronged someone. You'd have to get an animal, perfect, spotless animal, and sacrifice it for forgiveness. And there'd be even animals that would, that would come in and, and you'd have the high priest put their hands on the animal for the sin of everyone in the community. And the animal's, animal was sent out or slaughtered. John looking at his disciples and everyone else around. He says, we've sacrificed. And what we do, we put our hands because of our sin onto something pure. And then we hope that we are clean. He points to Jesus. He says, this is Jesus' sacrifice. This is God's sacrifice. The lamb who's come to take away the sins of the world. And instead of us simply putting our hands we literally will put the penalty of our wrongs on him. And instead of us hoping that we are clean, he puts righteousness on us so that we are pure in the eyes of God. This is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Now imagine if you had been walking with John and he were to tell you that. <laughs> this is the one. This is the guy. Look what happens. Verse, 30, verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. They just left. Like, John, this is the guy? Okay, later. I'll tell you right now, church, if Jesus were to walk in this room and be like, hey, we're leaving, no one better stay in here. They're like, hey, Marcus is still preaching. No, 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 uh-uh. I will close this bad boy up, give Jesus the microphone, we're headed out. Let's go. John was such a great discipler that he said, there is someone who is coming. And when he steps foot on this earth, you better chase after him because I am just a man. So Jesus steps in. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. The disciples just leave, which I think is awesome. No goodbye or anything. <laughs> Verse 38. When Jesus turned to notice them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? That's what he asks you too. What are you looking for? Like in all the things that you've tried to seek in your life, all of the um, accolades you've gone for, all of the promotions, everything that you've done, what are you truly looking for? 
I worked for a chaplain, I worked as a chaplain in Madera County, for Madera County Police Department and the Madera County Sheriff. And I used to walk into just painful situations to see families and experiencing great loss with the crime that was happening there. And I'd walk around in uh, the juvenile detention center, the juvie, and I'd talk with these teens who have done terrible things. And I'd ask them a similar question. In all of this, what were you looking for? It was nearly 100% of the time, the response was something along the lines of acceptance. I just want to be accepted. I wonder how many of us, if Jesus were to ask us, what are you looking for? He'd be like, I just want to be accepted. Just for who I am. I'm, I'm done playing the game, trying to be someone that I'm not. I just want to be accepted. Maybe for you, if Jesus were to ask you, what are you looking for? You'd say, I'm looking for love, like a real love. Not this fleeting kind of love that, that, that's there when the lights are right and everything is perfect. I want that kind of love that when I'm at my worst, this person cries and weeps with me and picks me up. I'm looking for that kind of love. Maybe for you, it's hope. I'm just looking for someone to speak something into my life because if you're like me, you've had days when Getting out of bed doesn't even seem like an option. Because what more do I have to bring to this earth? God, it just gets so difficult. And he says, what are you looking for, Marcus? And Jesus asks this question knowing that he is the answer to whatever the answer is. Acceptance, that's me. Hope, that's me. Life, duh. Light, of course. You're looking for a word? That's literally my name. Jesus says, what are you looking for? And whatever you're looking for, I promise you, you can find it in Jesus. I'm not talking about the, the feel-good moments that you're like, I just want to feel good. No, 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 no. What's beyond that? I just want to be known. Oh, you find it in Jesus. So he says, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Look at Jesus' response. Come and you'll see. He replied, so they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. I love John. He'll add these little things. It was about four in the afternoon, because he wants you to know it's four in the afternoon. They're going to go together. They're going to have a meal together. They're going to stay up and, and talk with one another. They'll go to bed in the morning, wake up at six, and do their whole thing again, right? He wants you to know there's going to be time with them. Why is this important? Because Jesus, when asked, where are you staying? He says, just come and see. Because Jesus is all about this this beautiful invitation where he says, I just want you to know me. He says, I could tell you in one word exactly where I'm staying and where I'm at, but I want you to come with me and see. Because there's going to be, while we're walking on the road, we're going to be talking. And while someone is preparing the meal, we're going to be talking. And while we're eating, we're going to be talking. And after we're done eating, we're still going to be talking. As we go to bed, we're going to be talking. And I wonder what that conversation was like. I wonder if Jesus was talking with those two disciples and said, you know the Torah. And you know in Genesis, in the beginning God created. Yeah, I was there. And you know later when Adam and, Adam and Eve <laughs> ate the fruit. I don't know why they did that. I mean, I told them not to. But um, then my father said there would be someone who would step on the head of the snake. Yeah, that's me. And you saw the Israelites, you know, and they parted the Red Sea. And then later on the Jordan. Yeah, yeah that was me. I was there. 
And then you know when you read some of the prophets and they talk about this one who is coming who is the son of man and you've heard about Daniel and all the visions that he had and <laughs> it's been all been about me. You know Isaiah and he talks about there will be someone who will come and live this life and be pierced on their side as they're on a cross and breathe their last and complete, completing something that would be the benefit of the entire world. That's me. You know, later on when you read Isaiah and it says that someone's going to die on that cross and they're going to be resurrected, they're brought back to life and the stone won't stay. Yeah, it's talking about me. Do you know when you pray, you're saying, God, would you send us the Savior of the world? And Jesus said, it's me. And he invites us to know him in those intimate ways. On this journey of discovery and experience of who we are and who he is. And all throughout this Gospel of John, if you join us for much of the year, we're going to be able to see who Jesus is and who we are in that. And I'll give you the, the greatest tip that I had to learn because when I first gave my life to Jesus, it was because I realized Jesus didn't fit the mold that I had told him he needed to be. Jesus didn't fit my preconceived ideas and notions of what Jesus should look like. Same with the people of Israel. They were waiting for this huge political governmental leader who would walk in and say, we are number one. We're the kings. And they got a lamb of God. They're waiting for this military commander who would walk in and slay all of their enemies and say, we're the only ones standing because we're mighty. And they got one who would ride on a donkey, born in a manger, who would wash the disciples' feet. I was looking for something that you don't find in here. Oh, but man, I found out Jesus is the one who loves me for me. I want that. And when he invites us, he just says, come and see. Come and see. Stay with me and come and see. You've been looking for Jesus. Maybe you're here today because you've been searching and wondering where Jesus is. And he says, I'm here. Find me. I'm here. You've been trying to find Jesus. He says, I found you. He's here. So my prayer is we would be like the two disciples, the John's disciples who just left him to follow Jesus. Look, they went and saw. That's what I want us to do. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the pain, he meets us. In our desperation, in our joy, in our grief, our celebration, Jesus says, I'm here. I'm with you. Let's do this together. We can overcome together. That's what he wants to offer you. He wants to offer me. So starting tomorrow for these next 21 days as we pray and fast, let's come and see. Join us tomorrow at 6.30 for our worship night. Come and see. Join us on Wednesdays at 6 a.m. I'll be here praying, ready. Come and see. And if you go and you don't see anything, your money back. It's free. <laughs> but come and see. Because he's invited us to come and see him. Let's experience him together. It's going to be a powerful series as we go through the Gospel of John. He has a word for you, a word for me. He wants to change our lives. No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus or you're just on the journey towards him. God wants to do something in your life today and through the rest of this year. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you do speak to us. We thank you that you are the word in the beginning. We thank you, Lord, that you made an amazing sacrifice 
for us through your son Jesus. And that on the cross when he breathed his last and said, it is finished, I meant that forgiveness was available because the debt had been paid. That all of us have had a debt that we could not pay. And Jesus said, it is finished because you paid that debt for us. We thank you, Lord. You are the light in our darkness and you are life in the midst of death and loss. So Lord, we look to you, light and life. In your name we pray, amen. Give God a hand because he's the light and life in our